0: This is for Dos al also known as Danny, with MedTech Insight. Today, I'm joined by Mike Heil and Jody Scott, partners at the law firm Hogan Lovells. Mike and Jody, thank you very much for joining us. Today, we're going to look forward to what we can expect from FDA in 2021. But first, let's take a step back. Uh, in retrospect, what are the most significant guidances and steps in general that you think the FDA has taken in 2020?
1: This is Mike. I think the most important or significant things that we saw in 2020 is, is FTA's ability to adjust under a time of duress and and 2020 was uh, a unique year for for many ways but it had a very significant impact on on FDA and their policies and in particular getting products into the marketplace which were needed to a- address the pandemic so we did see fDA implement a number of, of authorizations. Uh, under emergency use authorizations for testing, uh, for kits for for testing, and and a lot for PPE. Uh, There there were a number of ebbs and flows throughout the the process, and uh, Jody, if you want to talk about some of those.
2: So in terms of the, the agency's response to the pandemic, uh, it was really actually quite impressive the way that they were able to flex and the way they were able to move and respond to the overwhelming public health need. Um, and so we saw them over time um, really focused on helping to make access to um, a lot of the medical technology that was going to be needed for the response to the pandemic. Um, and then we saw them, you know, also take the time to go back and make sure that what they were um, making available and allowing companies to put out to the market was really of the quality um, and, and the types of things that, that we really needed for the pandemic. And so, you know, I think that they adjusted and flexed to sort of meet the evolving needs, because I will tell you over the last, you know, Eight ten months, um, it has really been um, something that has evolved and adapted over time, and I do think the agency made great strides trying to um, respond to that and and help do their part.
0: Well, it's an interesting thing that you bring up. Uh, you know, the FDA did uh, put out a lot of emergency guidances really, really quickly. They did respond very fast you know, with even the same um, level of personnel, what does that mean for the future? Are you guys going to expect the FDA to keep going like that? Because I think uh, uh, Dr. Hahn himself has said, you know, we just can't do that. We can't keep going this way.
2: Um, you know, I, w- I would like to believe that the agency can continue to work at the pace that they're working, but I but I think that that is, would be a little bit unreasonable. You know, we have seen the staff at FDA, you uh, really step up to respond to the pandemic and and get the work done as quickly and as efficiently as they possibly can, you know, it has become regular for us to receive emails from them in the middle of the night about different applications. And so I I don't know that they can sustain that. What I would like to see is um, them get the funding to be able to increase their personnel to be able to continue to do do the work that they need to do for the pandemic, but also, you know, the rest of their job, you know, their typical day job, which is, um, you know, reviewing applications, helping companies figure out how to get to market, uh, ensuring post-market compliance. Um, so I think, you know, we will hopefully get through the pandemic and we will get back to that kind of work. But I I find it hard to imagine how they can continue to sustain the levels of work that they're currently um, really committed to trying to do
1: and And I would agree with that and And what we saw a lot was during the early stages of the pandemic, fda was was adjusting and and working the late hours and and as jody mentioned we we were on calls with the agency many times after hours and into the wee hours of of the morning. Uh, so it was it was quite impressive that the commitment that that they had with the limited resources that they had even entering into to the pandemic. so we would we would hope that. They, they would be able to continue to, to shift resources around kind of the way that they did to adjust to the need. But I think at the frenetic pace, that, that would just be uh, really tough to, to keep up. I, I will say that was what was impressive was uh, they were able to keep in many instances on the clock for a number of the existing submissions that they had going into the pandemic. And I can say that I was on a couple pre-sub meetings uh, during the pandemic, and the people that were on these pre-subs were the same ones I was dealing with on emergency use authorization. So they were really pulling double duty just to to keep them in time with their MDUFMA deadlines as well as to meet the need during the
0: pandemic. Well, it sounds interesting because, you know, MDUFMA, the next negotiations are ongoing. So I'm sure the FDA will look back at this and get some lessons from it in order to try to ask for more money. Um, But is there anything the agency hasn't addressed or any unfinished business this year that you would have liked to see them complete?
1: the one thing that that we didn't see, and and it it, it may be just by virtue of of how the laws are are written and the regulations, is just what's going to happen with all of these EUAs after the emergency declaration is is over, uh, what are we going to see? Is it going to be a transition into a 510 k or the need for a 510 k or de novo or an abbreviated submission or a submission that can rely on real world data to to support the efficacy or safety? So that would just be one one open ended item, and it's, it's not a criticism by by any stretch. I think that what we've seen the agency do is is very impressive and and meet the meet the Public need. I think the big unanswered question right now is, what do we do with all of these things that are on the market?
2: And and I think, from an industry standpoint, it's, it's a business question, which is, you know, we've we've provided all of this equipment. Um, much of it, some of it's capital equipment. So it's still going to be out there and it would be, it'd be helpful to be able to understand, you know, what does that transition look like? How do we plan for it? How do we start figuring out how to execute against whatever, whatever FDA is going to expect? Um, because the, the, the starting place is, you know, at the end of the emergency declaration, all of those things are supposed to come out of the market. Um, but that seems like perhaps not quite the right solution. So. You know, if the clarity around that, I would say that the other thing that it would be, would have been great if FDA was able to get done, and I and I certainly understand why um, you know it, it didn't happen this year, is the ISO 1345 harmonization. Um, that has been something that has been on their to do list for a number of years, um, and you know, from an industry standpoint, harmonization would be fantastic because currently we're, you know, all the companies are meeting two quality management system standards that are largely the same, but not completely the same. And so greater harmonization will just help um, make operations much easier to manage.
1: But it also help with the MD SAP, which many companies are, are participants in.
0: That's very interesting. Now, looking uh, into 2021, uh, list some of the things that, you know, we should be looking at for in terms of guidances, policies, any legislation that will most impact the medical device industry and the diagnostic industry.
1: I, I think between the two of us, we have a number uh, of them uh, that that we can mention. Uh, one of them was just mentioned a second ago, and and that is the, the harmonization with ISO 1345 and any any sort of regulation regulatory changes to the quality system regulation. So I, I do think that will will hopefully come out in in 2021. Uh, it's been delayed a number of times for for obvious reasons. Uh, I, I think another one that that we may see movement on will be the regulation of laboratory developed tests or LDTS. Uh, but there there was uh, legislation that was proposed the last two sessions of Congress, and namely the the Valid Act, uh, which does not appear that it's going to be to be moving in, in this session. Uh, but we did just have the the recent HHS statements uh, during the pandemic, basically saying that FDA would essentially have the authority to implement regulations under notice and comment rulemaking. So one of the big issues with LDTs is is there the legislative authority for FDA to regulate them in the first place? And I think HHS's latest comment indicates that the answer is yes. So moving forward, is there a legislative need or is this something that we're just going to see FDA move through notice and comment? And if and whichever pathway is taken, it would be interesting to see what what the requirements will be.
2: So I think another area is, um, you know, FDA has, has put on their to-do list for next year the clinical decision support guidance to be able to issue a final guidance um, around how do you figure out whether or not your software product is um, clinical decision support, and if so, you know, whether it is something that FDA would regulate or not. Um, So hopefully we will get guidance on that. I think it has become more and more important given um, healthcare and telehealth and kind of the explosion of um, software applications and telehealth due to the pandemic. Um, and so, you know, these are complicated software product offerings um, with a complicated regulatory analysis. And certainly from an industry perspective, any guidance the agency can provide on um, how to kind of sort through that and figure out what are the requirements and how do you meet them um, would be hugely beneficial.
1: I think the the other, the other final uh, issues that we may see or things that we may see is lessons learned from, from the pandemic. And so increased scrutiny at the border with products coming in from overseas. Uh, we did see a lot of counterfeit products coming through th- this year. And, and I think the additional scrutiny that's being placed both by FDA and by Customs and Border Protection, I, I think it might be something that we'll continue to see, particularly with a lot of new market entrance uh, because of the Pandemic, and this is the final area, and this may not be something that's an FDA policy, but but perhaps implementation of, of something broader, and that is, we did see uh, this administration with an executive order for a, a Buy American uh, executive order, and, and we saw. Uh, similar uh, policies that, that were being considered by uh, an incoming administration, at least at the election level uh, with the Biden administration. So it, it's unclear what it will be or what form it will be, but it, all signs indicate that there will be some sort of a bi-American proclamation executive order or revision of the existing executive order uh, under the next administration.
2: And I think that'll be really interesting in that, you know, FDA has sort of hasn't dictated, you know, where companies um, procure their goods and supplies. And they've been relatively hands-off focusing more on process. Um, But we may see there be some guidance or maybe some additional parameters or thoughts around how, to, how should companies be managing their supply chains and where they get their goods? And also, where do they produce them?
1: And reporting if you have supply
2: chain issues.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I've seen um, in, in over the year, and it's been a topic that I've uh, written a bit about, is that uh, uh, you know a lot of companies are holding back on um, uh, launching their products this year because of COVID-19. How do you think that will affect, uh, the next year? Do you, do you think a lot of products will suddenly, you know, uh, come out next year that were being held off this year? Do you think some products may never see the light because, uh, of COVID-19? What are your thoughts on that? You
2: know, I think it's possible that there will unfortunately be some, some products that won't make it to market because the companies aren't able to basically sustain until we come out of COVID, you know, the pandemic. And, and that's really just a function of time and always a challenge with sort of smaller companies and new technologies. You know, can you, do you have the funding and the financing to make it to the approval? Um, but even if you get the approval, do you have the ability to launch, right? Um, And so, unfortunately, there may be some products in that category. I will say, in terms of submissions, and a lot of that is still continuing. You know, we are continuing to submit... 510Ks, de novo's, and PMAs. Um, I think there's also this category of products that, um, where there's a lot of 510Ks that are being planned for products that were released under emergency use authorizations. So companies that have decided they, are, they want to continue to be able to market after the emergency declaration is over. So there's that cadre. Um, I, I think we will see. Products come to the market, uh, and you know FDA will continue to do, do their work. Industry will continue to submit their products. Um, I think the things that are really interesting will maybe shift a little bit to be the types of things that come out of the pandemic in terms of what we've learned are ben- beneficial and useful. So, lots of software products, lots of lots of telehealth products.
1: I, I agree with that, and I think one added wrinkle to it as well is. What's going to be the fallout of of the year delay of implementation of the mdr uh, in Europe because I, I think a lot of people were were of the the belief that once those requirements go in place, people are going to new companies or new market entrants are going to start in the U.S. Uh, and, and then move over to Europe, rather than the way that has been the opposite of the, the, the last several years. So, uh, that, I think that'll be an interesting aspect as well. But I, I do agree with Jody that um, there have been a number of companies that have either stopped uh, clinical trials because it was difficult to get subjects to go into a hospital because of COVID restrictions, or uh, a lot of the products that that really involve more voluntary procedures as opposed to medical uh, or emergency procedures. So I think a lot we'll see some of those coming through or some clinical trials wrapping up or resuming again uh, so that they get the data for submissions uh, to go through. So I think um, what we were talking about before is can FDA keep up this pace? Uh, they, they may have no choice if, if they get inundated with a lot of new uh, new product applications and submissions.
0: I think you kind of touched on this a little bit, but what sectors of the MedTech industry do you think are going to be the most uh, interesting to watch uh, in this coming year?
2: Oh, software Um, and artificial intelligence. I mean, I will tell you that, um, you know, AI is such an interesting ability because we now have sort of the computing capability and and available data sets to be able to do analytics on them. And so I think uh, software as medical devices, where it is just software applications that have um, AI to create algorithms, but even potentially active AI in those products, um, you know, both because they're really interesting from an impact on healthcare, but also because they're really cool.
1: And I would say not a particular sector, but maybe something that's more, uh, something just to, to watch, which may cut across a lot of sectors, but could impact The new market entrance, number one, are folks that have never been inspected. But uh, Jody and I both uh, agree that that there is likely going to be an uptick of enforcement and and inspections. And and I think that uh, with with, uh, the travel bans that have been put in place at the FDA and and the number of inspections, which have really significantly decreased, not just – during the, the the pandemic, but even before the pandemic, the, the number of enforcement actions had, had gone down. So it'll be interesting to see if if there is an uptick. We expect there to be one, an uptick of inspections, uh, resuming and and enforcement actions, perhaps warning letters. Uh, what's going to be interesting to see is how those are done. And I think that FDA and industry and all of us have really learned that we can function. Remotely, We can function doing things over Zoom, over Teams, over a different media. Um, so are they going to continue to do that and uh, to do inspections remotely, or do they want to be on site and uh, in, amidst this whole uh, uptick? So, again, not a particular sector, but I think something that's, that will be more cross-cutting.
2: To add to that, I think it will be interesting to see how the agency tackles it because there is this sort of pent-up bottleneck in terms of actually doing inspections. So I would imagine when they start, they're going to start with some sort of strategic plan um, and sort of what types of facilities, what types of inspections will they prioritize over others.
0: And, you know, one of the topics that, a big topics that I was covering uh, this year was ethylene oxide and Uh, you know, using ethylene oxide to clean medical devices, that issue kind of fizzled away with the pandemic. Do you think that'll resurface in 2021? And, uh, you know, will there be a resolution to that issue?
1: It's unclear whether it will or not. And and it was really a lot of that was driven by, by state environmental issues. Uh, and obviously, because of the pandemic, there was a need for sterile products and, and, it, and it did somewhat fizzle away. It's unclear whether whether that will pick back up again or, or not. I, I wish I, I wish I knew.
0: It's understandable. Um, you know, law firms like yours have also been impacted by the pandemic. Uh, tell us about how you guys have fared during this crisis. Have you had to reduce staff, change work culture? Are you seeing a change in the kind of business that you're getting? Uh, and finally, what does that mean for your uh, next year?
2: So we've actually done pretty really well, um, kind of despite what everybody else is seeing with respect to the pandemic. I and I think that is in large part um kind of attributed to the to the way that we're organized this firm and the heavy focus we have on healthcare and life sciences. So, you know, since March we have been doing um a huge amount of work related to PPE and emergency use authorizations through FDA um and helping Manufacturers figure out uh, uh, how to keep their staff um, in the workplace safely. So kind of all up and down, all of these health issues, we've been helping um, companies kind of navigate them and figure them out. So that has been an area that we've spent a lot of time and has really um, helped our firm continue to be busy through the pandemic.
1: We've we've always been innovative in, in how we work and we've always had remote. Uh, work and, and telework has been part of our of our culture. It's been part part of what we've been doing for for quite some time. So, shifting everything to uh, working from home really was it was a seamless transition. No no real hiccups uh, on on the IT or or anything, and, and everybody really adjusted and acclimated uh, quite quite nicely. And, and I can say the same in, in dealing with clients and dealing with the agency. I think everybody really did a did a good job and, and, and learned uh, to adjust and, and just get used to the normal normal things of dogs barking and kids crying or whatever in the background of a conference call, uh, and it it, it wasn't a, a a faux pas. It was just just the norm, and I think that uh, that really kind of I, I thought it was nice. I thought it 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 helped, and and uh, we'd always we'd been doing this for for quite some time.
2: Yeah, and I think as a firm, we we operate globally, so we're very used to doing conference calls. Um, around the world in different time zones. And I think actually the the upside is now instead of just a conference call, we're able to do um, you know, Zoom calls or video calls. So we do get the the unexpected pleasure of actually seeing our clients'
0: faces and not just
1: seeing their
2: voices.
1: Absolutely, yeah. that is true. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, is there, it keeps I, you on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hope you've got your uh, your uh, bookshelf game strong, um, you know, in the background when you're doing your Zoom calls. But is there anything that I haven't touched on that you think is worth mentioning?
1: I, I think you covered you, you covered everything. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see how how 2021. Shakes out, you know. Now, now that we have uh, two vaccines that have that have been authorized, and uh, when we can really get get things back to normal, I think. Uh, but, but what normal is, I think, is what <laughs> is what we're going to learn. Uh, I think people are referring to it as, as a new normal and what that new normal is and whether we're going to continue to do flexible working and uh, remote working and, and things like that. But, you know, we've made it work under duress. I think we can make it work under the normal course.
0: Well, any, any last words from you, Jody?
2: Sure. Um, I would add that, you know, this, this pandemic, you know, you wouldn't wish it on anyone. But one of the positives that we've seen, um, and Mike and I have chatted about this before, is that there have been no shortage of companies who have been willing to step up and say, I think I can contribute, you know, I need help figuring out how I do that, you know, because there's a lot of rules and regulations, but, um, you know, people who are not typically players in the medical device space, people who have a particular skill set that they feel like if they partner with someone that they can just contribute product to help, um, you know, bring more supplies to healthcare providers. And I think that has been something that we've seen and it's, you know, really been heartening to know that, um, you know, people are really thinking hard about their role in sort of the the greater society and where they can contribute. And we have seen that in spades.
1: The innovative uh, nature of of the medtech industry really, really uh, showed during the pandemic.
2: Well, I personally am proud to be affiliated with them. So absolutely. That has been a blessing.
0: Well, thank you so much, Mike and Jody, for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, And as the year goes through, we will stay in touch and see how things pan out uh, if they go the way that you think they will. Thank you so much. Great. thank Thank you.